News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change that our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to the Luke Macias Show. This is your host, Luke Macias, with my co-host, Raz Schaefer. How are you doing today, Raz? Man, I'm doing great. Good to have you here in person. Yeah, so we are in person in Raz's office. I was up in DFW to spend a weekend up here with my wife, and we decided just to record this in person. I have had some homemade cookies and a glass of milk, and so I think I am all ready to give our listeners a quick update on what's going on with uh, news and politics here in the great state of Texas. Going right into what's happening right now, let's talk about a couple things that are before us. Two weeks ago, you heard about the property tax reform package that Governor Abbott, Dennis Bonin, and Dan Patrick all rolled out. That legislation is already off and moving through the legislative process. It has passed out of the Senate committee after a day of hearings. For anybody who got to listen to those hearings, you would have heard that every every single person that pays their property taxes absolutely applauding any property tax reform, and then countless individuals who got up uh, in opposition to the legislation were all those tax collecting entities and individuals who um, are elected to tax collecting governments. And so at the end of the day, we had a very clear contrast of taxpayers versus tax collectors, all taking opposite positions when it comes to property tax reform. Again, that Senate Bill 2 and House Bill 2, both making their way through the legislative process. One key Thing that happened just later this week as well, or later last week when this comes out on Monday, will be that Senator Kel Seliger from the Panhandle is the only Republican who's come out publicly and said that he opposes the legislation. This comes as no surprise to most Texans because Kel Seliger is by far the most liberal Republican in the Senate. But what that means is that there is going to have to be a Democrat senator coming on board to support this legislation if it is to pass the Texas Senate. That being said, um, property tax reform continues to be a strong agenda of the governor, lieutenant governor, and speaker, and I do think we'll see it continue to cross each and every hurdle it needs to get to the governor's desk. After that, we also had House Bill 1500, the Texas heartbeat bill filed by Representative Briscoe Kane. This week, this legislation says that once there is a detectable heartbeat, uh, that child is protected by Texas law. Not only was it filed by Representative Kane, but it also has over 40 co-authors of Texas House members. Um, that includes many chairmen of committees, including even For Price, the chairman of the powerful Calendars Committee. This is very encouraging for any pro-life Texan who wants to see Texas take strides to advance pro-life legislation. Also, keep your eyes out for PRINDA, which is the uh, Pre-Born Non-Discrimination Act, which will likely be filed by Representative Schaefer and Kelly Hancock next week. This legislation is policy that has been pushed very hard in past legislative sessions, and leadership has worked very hard in the House to keep it from becoming law. At the end of the day, most people think that third trimester abortions are outlawed in Texas. What they don't know is that we've made a special exception just for children diagnosed with severe fetal abnormalities. And if you happen to be one of those children who are diagnosed and are ill and sick, our law says that only you may have your life taken from you in the third trimester. That is an exception that Representative Schaefer has worked hard to eliminate, and it is something he will continue to do this session. Again, the Pre-Born Non-Discrimination Act and the Texas Heartbeat Bill both being filed last week, likely uh, one filed this week as well, 
and I would continue to keep your eyes on that. Also, we have a Tuesday, which uh, will be September 19th. The Texas Freedom Caucus will be rolling out its legislative agenda. There is a press conference plan for Tuesday. This is something that I think conservatives are excited about. Uh, the Texas Freedom Caucus was referred to uh, by Democrats as the tail that wagged the dog last session. Representatives Raphael and Chia from the Dallas area or Chris Turner from Arlington, both last session were constantly at least communicating their frustration in the fact that the Freedom Caucus had such a large part in determining what policy was passing the Texas House and how those issues were being addressed. Um, this is a small group of the most conservative legislators in the state who have had an outsized impact on legislation. We as conservatives hope that they continue to have that impact this coming legislative session. And that kind of gets to the fact that Dan Patrick, as of this week, has still continued to remain largely silent when it comes to any type of conservative agenda of his own. In previous sessions, the lieutenant governor has very boldly champion conservative reforms that are found within the Republican Party platform. We have yet to see that. Um, keep your eyes out because as Dan Patrick comes out and begins to support different conservative policies, you will see those policies gain significantly more momentum. So keep your eyes out. And last but not least, I want to go into news that got on Fox News and other national stages this week, which is that Representative Kyle Biederman and Representative Briscoe came, both came out and said that they would be filing legislation that would take $2.5 billion from our state's rainy day fund, which is our savings account, and create a new fund, which would go towards building the wall with Texas tax dollars. Representative Kyle Biederman is basically proposing that we take $2.5 billion, move it into a fund directed by the governor who will pay Texas companies who will hire Texas workers to build a wall that will secure the border in Texas. This comes with increasing frustrations with a federal government that is determined to keep our border open, and that is not a frustration that's directed at our president or even the Republicans in the United States Senate as much as it is directed at Democrats who currently hold Congress and have made it clear that they have absolutely no intention of ever allowing our border to be secured. So now you have Representative Biederman saying, that he's going to file legislation that will give Texas the ability to secure its own border, build its own wall, and hopefully get reimbursed from, by the federal government at some point uh, for that action. So that being said, it, it gives us a perfect segue into Raz talking about the federal issues. Uh, Raz, what are some things going on on the federal level? Well, I'm really glad that, uh, that these representatives are doing some great work to help make sure that the Texas border is secured because Congress is not doing a whole lot right now to, uh, to actually take care of that problem. Right now, we've got a spending bill that you know, we're recording on Friday. This will come out on Monday morning early. Uh, there may be some updates in here, and we'll be you know, posting some of those on Twitter as those come out. But right now, what we're talking about is the Democrats yesterday pushed through a bill, which is kind of with their quote-unquote compromise uh, to President Trump, and they're pushing it through. It has a ton of bad stuff in it, and they pushed it through, much like Nancy Pelosi has in the past, pushing it through with the idea that we can find out what's in it, we can read it after the fact. And Republicans in the, in the U.S. House have decried that throughout this entire process. They were dropped, they had this bill dropped basically 24 hours before voting, hmm. uh, several, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of pages. I think it was well over a thousand pages that this bill is, and it's actually a kind of a, an omnibus of several bills they're pushing through. Basically, this does not prov provide the border security funding. It actually creates a number of loopholes that uh, it's being are, being said are, that even cartels can use to their advantage. We're only talking about minimal a number of miles of fencing, and we're actually giving localities the opportunity to say, no, we really don't want border fencing here, uh, which is actually 
a huge problem, right? Because we're talking about a national border being able to be vetoed by a city council, which seems quite problematic. Hmm. Next, looking at the the Green New Deal, this is really fun because the the Democrats have proposed this radical agenda. They've allowed themselves to be taken hostage by so many of their folks in the far left, the AOCs and others. And what we're seeing is that the the leadership in the uh, among the Democrats in the House and the Senate are finally realizing. This is potentially disastrous for us when it comes to the 2020 election and if whether we get to a chance to elect a Democrat president and even retain control of the small parts, you know, the parts of the government we have. So these they're, they're finally realizing that this is, could be actually be a really bad deal if this crazy legislation they're throwing up gets voted on. And so you may have this really weird situation where Mitch McConnell puts up their Green New Deal bill for a vote, puts it on the Senate floor for a vote. And Nancy Pelosi, the Democrat Speaker of the House, doesn't even allow Democrats to vote on it because she knows it's really bad for them yep. if they can actually be uh, have their feet held to the fire on this. Uh, going back to one of the issues you talked about here in Texas with abortion and protecting life, uh, the Borderline Protection Act that Ben Sass is carrying in the Senate is going to be set for a vote and should pass. And it's basically, this is among all the different opinions on, a, on abortion, and even the folks that are the most quote-unquote pro-choice, uh, this should be one of those things that's really, really easy. We're talking about children who were born, who they had had an attempted abortion on, who were born, who are alive, who are, in, who are healthy, who are they're not they're not dead yet, right? And so we're saying that if they're not, if they're born alive, you must protect them. They are a child. They are born. You got to protect that life. You got to give it the same medical treatment you would give any other child. And th- so this should be a really easy thing. The trick is that with a Democrat-controlled House, this has really become an article of faith for them that there are no restrictions on abortion. Mm-hmm. This you know affordable, safe, and rare idea that Bill Clinton even talked about has gone well out the window. Uh, so it's it's really. Uh, there are groups like Heritage Jackson and others that are working right now very heavily to turn those Democratic votes. And lastly, uh, kind of falling in the same category as the Green New Deal, Medicare for All is another one of those things that leftist Democrats and progressives have really pushed the last several weeks. Uh, you see a ton, I think I'd say nearly all, if not all, of the Democratic contenders for president that have announced yet have been coming out in favor of this. And yet they don't talk about how they're to pay for it. They really dodge any questions about the details. And uh, they're the, the leadership and the party that's going to be responsible for going forward is quickly trying to distance themselves from it. So it's going to be a fun year looking at Democrats running away from Democrat ideas. That's awesome. Uh, we want to quickly go to a uh, word just from our sponsor and, and talking about our sponsor real quick. And then at that point where I think we're going to come back to kind of talking about a couple of these issues. Guys, our sponsor for today's show is Patriot Academy, patriotacademy.com. You have heard me talk about this organization, but um, this truly is, for many students, a life-altering event. Um, I cannot tell you how many 16, 17, 18, 20, 25 year olds that have gone to this leadership program and come out with a, an entirely new direction for their life. You can go to patriotacademy.com to find out where they do these events, but essentially they take these students and they go through a week of being a legislator. They actually debate in the in the Texas House of Representatives, in the uh, Delaware House of Representatives, Idaho House of Representatives. It's an incredible experience. I have been involved with them. I believe in what they do. In fact, if you contact them and tell them that you heard about them through the Luke Messias show, I will contribute toward your 
uh, fee of actually attending. If you know a student that needs to go, that needs direction for their life, they're going to have an opportunity to learn about worldview, about free market economics, about the values that hold society together, and they're going to have an opportunity to be equipped to be a part of making the change that our community, our state, our nation need. So patriotacademy.com, we're grateful for their willingness to sponsor this podcast, and we also want to encourage each and every one of you to check them out. Please do so today. So I want to go back to the spending bill, which you talked about, Raz, especially bringing it back to Texas. I mean, we have several Texas congressmen who have come out in opposition to this spending bill, and I, I think I'm correct in in saying that Chip Roy, Lance Gooden, Jody Arrington, I think you mentioned Michael Cloud as well, have all expressed some concerns. And on the Senate level, I think it was you that told me that Ted Cruz referred to it as a bad deal, and Cornyn has not said anything positive about the deal, at least so far. Yeah, I, I haven't found a whole lot of folks from Republicans from Texas, rather, that are, are saying much pause about it. To some degree, we've been looking, I think a lot of the Republicans have been looking to see where they didn't want to get out in front of the president on this, not because they're not going to stand up if they think it's a bad idea, but because it's somewhat unknown what exactly the president was going to do. And he's kind of in charge of negotiating this thing. He's he's really the one that brought the idea to the forefront. And my hope is, is that he's going to push back heavily on some of this. Uh, you know, he's he's announced as of today that he will be announcing a national emergency. And it's uh, not entirely sure what all is going to be included in that because uh, the announcement hasn't been made yet. Uh, Senator Cruz and others have said, hey, we're, we're waiting to see exactly what he's saying before we're going to jump on and either criticize or endorse. It's, it's pretty important to wait until I actually see what you're criticizing yep. or endorsing. And so I, it seems like they're really wanting, they're hoping for the best for the president and that he's going to put up something that is, uh, that's both constitutionally uh, appropriate and that is going to have a positive impact on the situation at the border. If, uh, for our listeners, if you're on Twitter at all and you don't follow Chip Roy, I would definitely recommend doing so. If you're looking for clarity on the issues facing Texans on a federal level, I think he's probably one of the clearest voices on this. He also happens to be my congressman, which I'm incredibly proud of. Just to give you just a couple tweets that he had in the last 24 hours, and again, we're recording this on Friday, this will come out on Monday, but I mean, I think at one point he said, I will be voting no on this disastrous 1,169-page bill. It will increase spending, fails to secure the border, empowers cartels to traffic children to sponsors, quote-unquote, in the U.S. receiving amnesty, punts congressional duty to the presidency, and may well undermine an emergency declaration. He later on tweeted, the People's House just funded a bill that will empower cartels to abuse children. Congratulations. And I think, first of all, we should be grateful that we have strong conservative voices out there talking about the fact that this is not a compromise in which Democrats have actually given much at all. And I think this kind of goes back to most people's frustrations with Republicans in general. But we get in a room and we say, we're going to negotiate, we're going to hold the line, and there is no negotiation. There is no giving a little bit and getting a little bit. You know, we could walk in and they could say, hey, we'll give you $10 of border wall security funding. And we go, great, this has been such a productive meeting. Let's walk out. <laughs> and I think it continues to increase the frustration of Texans who are saying, look, we want to continue to fight to send these people people up to Congress to send these people to the state house and the state Senate and the statewide elected offices. But we need you to deliver conservative results when it comes to a policy. And there's no reason that we should have fought so hard to elect a United States Senate and keep Republicans in control of the Senate. If you're going to tell Democrats, basically, you get to negotiate whether you get to determine, you know, whether or not border security funding is a reality. Yeah, I mean, 
you don't need to look much further than to say, talking about how unserious this proposal is from the Democrats, and to say that Kyle Biederman and Briscoe Kane have proposed nearly twice the border wall funding that they have from the United States Congress. You're, you're talking about you know just 1.37 or something like that from from the Democrats in Congress, yep. and you know, Kyle and Briscoe are talking about you know two and a half. Yep, it's not serious, and and really just touching on what what Chip highlighted there with the with the cartels and how it empowers yep. them. One of these clauses that's that's seems innocuous, but it turns out as insidious, is talking about how you, it basically means there's a no questions asked policy when it comes to whoever is, who is bringing children across the border, hmm. which basically means that if, if you and I were cartel members and we were coming across the Southern border illegally for whatever kind of nefarious purposes, and one of us brought a, you know, stole it, kidnapped a child and brought a mm-hmm. child with us. And the other one didn't the ability for us to, to evade and to get out of capture and have more lenient sentences for the one that brought the child is they're in a much better legal position to get out, uh, get out on bail, to be able to escape Mm -hmm. custody and be able to take that child with them when they go. So now not only do we have a cartel member or a nefarious actor that's got, that's loose in the United States, that's evaded capture effectively. Uh, but now they have a kid that they've, they've kidnapped. That is their get effectively get out of jail free card. And that's what opens up incredible problems, not just with drugs and allowing them a kind of a, a fast lane across the border, but it means that we're opening up all kinds of victims for for sex trafficking, for all kinds of human trafficking, and, and modern slavery, which is I, horrible. I know everyone loves to uh, put these issues in, in black and white issues, but I think this gets to even the family separation policy, which caused such a big stink, you know, last year when it came up. But the more and more I talk to people about it, the more you realize just how much misinformation was out there. Because yes, theoretically, we would all like to say, hey, families should not be separated. But at the end of the day, we're not talking about a family separation policy. We're talking about a child and adult separation policy. And there is a vast distinction from that. There is no way to know who is a parent and who is not a parent. There is absolutely no way to know who is saying, this is my child, and really, they are literally sex trafficking that girl, and somebody saying, this is my daughter. There's no distinction no. between those two people when it comes to when they run in to you know, any of our border agents at the border. And if you ask somebody, do you think we should blindly assume that every single adult that says every single child is their child is? Well, no. And again, I think ideally we would love to not separate families in any situation, but we're not talking about family separation policy at this point. We're literally talking about whether or not we believe in adult child separation policy, which realize that in order to do so across the board, you have to also protect the human trafficker as well. And I don't think that in any way reflects the desired outcomes of the policy that Texans or the rest of Americans, I would hope, even want to see, you know, within their within their people. And, and the Born Alive Protection Act, I think, again, gets back to this fundamental issue of life that's going to come up. And you see, uh, it was interesting, I was listening to a podcast in the the UK, it's called Unbelievable, it's a podcast that uh, I like listening to, but they had this discussion from a pl- former Planned Parenthood, uh, you know, director of a clinic and the person who kind of runs the Planned Parenthood of the UK. And it was very interesting because they asked that abortion uh, rights advocate, you know, supporter, what she thought about whether or not we should keep children alive after they're born. And And she danced and danced. And then at the end of the day, she goes, well, I think everyone would agree that if they're born alive, then yes, the right thing to do is to protect their life. And you go, okay, well, actually, not everyone believes that. In fact, the governor of Virginia, Mm -hmm. the state of New York, 
And the vast majority of the Democrat Party in the United States of America right now don't believe that. I'm going to be really interested to see how Democrats actually vote on Ben Sass's bill if it comes before a vote. I mean, I would assume that Joe Manchin uh, from West Virginia, a Democrat, would at least be voting in favor of that legislation. Um, I think he even got up and clapped during the infanticide comment of our president. Um, I don't know if any others did. And it's going to be a real telling sign regarding this issue in the Democrat Party if there's only one Democrat individual who actually comes out in, in favor of, of this legislation. Um, so well, one quick thing that I want to, I want to get your opinion on, uh, we talked about how the, the SB two with the, the two and a half percent property tax increase cap yep. that right now in the Senate is being held up by Seliger, uh, yep. Senator Seliger. And it, it seems like there's some drama going on with him this, uh, this time around, yep. you know, he, he lost some committee assignments and chairmanships. Yep. Um, and, and now he's in a position where he's, it seems like there's a grudge that's holding yep. some things up. What, what, what needs to happen in order to get him back on the right path? Is it simple as an ego thing with the Lieutenant governor? Or, I mean, what's going on here? So it doesn't surprise anybody Raz that kills doing this, right? Because he is well known as the most liberal state Senator in the state of Texas, just to give you an idea of the politics of being a liberal Republican. I mean, he barely won reelection with less than 50% of the vote this last time. And he actually had supported numerous conservative bills. Kell is one of those where uh, when he's not the deciding vote, he's likely going to vote the right way. Um, but if he gets to make the decision, he'll keep the legislation from coming up. And this legislative session, he's in a situation where his vote is necessary or a Democrat's vote is necessary to bring something to the floor of the Texas Senate. So uh, I'll give you an idea of, of his inconsistencies in the past. You know, he supported privacy legislation last session, voted in favor of it, even defended it in his local media, talking about why he supported it and the fact that his constituents uh, had asked him to support that legislation. And then he comes back this session. Uh, the lieutenant governor decided it best that he not serve as chairman of higher education, but instead moved him to chairman of agriculture. He serves one of the most rural districts in Texas. And I know that, you know, if you look at Jody Arrington or anybody else in those West Texas areas, they'll tell you that agriculture is absolutely huge when it comes to industry in that area. So he moved Kel Seliger to chairman of agriculture. Uh, Kel took issue with that greatly and tried to attack the lieutenant governor very early on in the session because of that move. Um, one of Dan Patrick's staff criticized the Senator for for being a little ungrateful for chairing a very powerful committee that happens to govern a lot of the industry that is in his own district. Um, he ended up saying some derogatory things about that female staffer and therefore uh, was stripped of his chairmanship. And that chairmanship was given to a, another more conservative Republican senator, Bob Hall, as a result. And, um, you know, now and, and then he came out and said that he actually didn't lose that. He didn't lose that chairmanship because of those statements. He lost the chairmanship because he opposed the Privacy Act. And it was interesting because not a single mainstream media outlet or source that I saw actually said, um, Senator Seliger voted in favor of the Privacy <laughs> Act, you know, because they know behind the scenes that he didn't like the idea, right? But right. he voted for it. He even defended it out there in public. And then he comes out and says, the reason I was taking my chairmanship away is because I didn't support the Privacy Act. So it's just the idea, like, <laughs> he doesn't even know what he's doing. But he does know this. He does know that if he wanted to single-handedly stop every single item on the Republican platform from coming to the floor, he essentially could. Luckily, we do have some conservative-leaning Democrats 
in Eddie Lucio and even Chuy Hinojosa at times on some of these issues. And so you might see that a couple Democrats actually cross over this session on some of those important issues. Eddie Lucio has been a strong, is not only a strong Catholic, but has been a strong social conservative as well in the past and has voted in favor of pro-life legislation and other things like that. So um, it's just going to be very telling as to whether or not Kel Seliger really kind of reveals his true colors and says, no, I'm going to literally stop the entire Republican platform from passing this session. And whether what the reaction of the governor, the lieutenant governor, the speaker of the house would be in, in the event that that actually ends up being the case. It's not surprising that he came out this way on the property tax reform issue. I think the question is whether or not he's going to come out swinging on every single Republican issue which, you know, it's very difficult to find an issue in the Republican Party platform that Kel Seliger actually finds to be a good idea on a policy level. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to, to see where that goes. Um, well, Raz, thank you so much for sitting down and having this update today. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your cookies and the milk <laughs> that you provided. My wife and gets credit for the cookies. There you go. She made the cookies. She made the milk. Raz gave the room. And if you're listening to this today, we thank you so much for engaging. We thank you for being part of the battle. We want to encourage each and every one of you to realize that the barrier to entry is very low when it comes to you making an impact in the movement for liberty and the conservative cause in Texas on a federal level, on a state level, on a local level. Um, get involved, get engaged. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. If you value this content and want our message to spread, please consider three of the following steps. One, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on and leave us a review. Two, visit lukemessias.com and sign up for our email alerts. And three, follow Raz and I on Twitter and visit my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Luke Messias Texas. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Thank you so much and God bless.